This is currently untitled, hosted by Scott Consinity, Noelle Smithart, and myself, Ryan Brules. In this episode, Noelle and I sit down again at her kitchen table talking about friendships, isolation, and the vulnerability of saying, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Hey, Noelle. Hey, Ryan. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, 2023. Yeah. Every every year now, it sounds more and more like the future, I think, like Star Trek-style future. It really does. There are a couple of people I follow, but there's one account. What is it? Tim Urban? Wait, but why? Or something like that. Mm. Am I saying that right? I might be wrong. But uh, And he, he does these little visualizations of time elapsing and how long ago historic events were versus how oh, nice. f- like how far in the future this things will depress are. me what, whatever you cite will probably depress I, me I, I don't have them memorized okay, good. Um, I'm hoping that our listeners just go look it up <laughs> um, definitely Tim Irvin's his name and I feel like I'm butchering the name of the but the it's account. like this classic thing where you're like oh this- you know the same number of years have passed between back to the future coming out and now then from world war one to world war two or like you know comparisons like that right Exactly. Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago this year, the, the album Elephant from Jack White comes out, or White, sorry, White Stripes come, came out 20 years ago. And like, that was a very pivotal mm. album for me growing up. It was like right out of college. And I remember like trying to figure out what my new sound was, whatever that means. Um, and I just saw that post today, like that, that, that 20th <laughs> really anniversary hits. is coming up. I love it, but also, wow. Um, yeah, solid aught references. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking last night about Tool, and I was, you know, going through some of my favorite albums, which came out in 96 and 97, 2000. And <laughs> yeah. And just reflecting, like, they're still great. But wow, that was a long time ago. It was a huge chunk of my life. Yeah. At what point do these, does the music that we grew up listening to become oldies or classic rock or classic oh alternative gosh. or all those types of titles that like we grew up listening to but thinking that that was the 70s or the 60s um now apparently the 90s and the and the aughts are are kind of getting getting up there this podcast brought to you by the elderly <laughs> by some old what are we are you we, we did we decide we're elder millennials yeah. yeah and i'm right on the cusp of almost gen x yeah but i would be a baby gen x yeah and i'm firmly Elder millennial, but Oregon Trail generation. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was in Columbus for New Year's Eve and found this amazing arcade bar, um, mm. and had a lot of fun nostalgia there, <laughs> playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And actually, there were two two arcade bars that were found. One of them had an X Files game. Good job, Columbus. Yeah, Columbus is cool. I had not been before, and um, there's art murals all over the place. Um, I fell in love with a tattoo artist who whose shop was closed, but now I want to go back to Columbus when his book's open and get some really cool line art from him. Um, yeah, Columbus. And I'm catching you uh, on the cusp of yet another trip. You're about to take off around the world, I believe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have about I have three sort of different trips coming up all this month, going into February, but I'll be in L.A. next week and then the South. Uh, towards the end of the month, and then I get to go to Australia and New Zealand, which I have not been to before, and I'm very, very stoked. Lovely. Yeah. Well, um, I will miss you, which is a nice segue into. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the topic that we wanted to sort of discuss today was uh, something that I have been struggling with personally, and it's the question of how to... um, how to build and maintain really good social connections and friendships uh, in the modern era mm-hmm. when you have chosen not to be very active on social media. And I um, I have a Facebook account, but I just use it to visit a couple of groups. Um, I have Instagram, but that's not, to me, a very like socially active kind of medium and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, without blaming that specifically on social media, like I have felt a loneliness and a detachment from my friends and what they're doing. I just thought on the way over here, like a really good example is um, uh, a very good friend of mine, his dog just died. And that's Mm. like enormously sad and like, you know, a a momentous event. And I, 
I didn't know about it until my wife saw it on Facebook, right? And that's that is it is not his responsibility to reach out to the you know the Luddites that are you know not <laughs> using social media to to you know express this terrible news. But of course, I want to be there in his time of need, right? And it really made me think of like um, you know that disconnection that I had, mm-hmm. and then I think multiplied by um, COVID and the general isolation, I think, you know, and, um, yeah. And just, I mean, there's some of that, like just informal connection with friends and the events and the activities of their life that in some ways I genuinely miss from being on things like Facebook, but Mm -hmm. it's not enough. You know, I almost got back on it last week and I just felt so ill with the idea of, you know, just, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't want to be on that. It's purely designed, you know, to manipulate you. And, And yes, you can, be intentional with it. But at the end of the day, I can't curate it to just be what I want. It is not you know, possible. Like you, yeah. you still get inundated. So anyway, like that's just been rolling around my head and I thought would be a good conversation today. Yeah. So when you, when you brought up this topic, um, it's, it's definitely, it's something that's been on my mind a lot in the last few months and years, um, to different degrees and at different levels. And what's interesting is I have chosen, I took a, I took a back seat on social media when the pandemic first started, Mm. um, for many reasons, including just not wanting to get caught up in the, in some of the like more controversial things, like decisions that I was going to, or not going to make. I, I, I wanted to feel like I could just exist and make those um, decisions autonomously and not feel like I had to justify anything I said, posted, whatever, based on things that, I mean, to be fair, to be honest, none of us really knew what was going on. We were going off of a lot of our best educated guesses. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was what it was. Especially early, there was so much ambiguity in that, and yet a lot of strong opinions yes. um, on top of that. Yeah, yes. it, was, it, was, it was a struggle. And then I, I sort of found... I needed an outlet um, because of the the isolation and not – it was at a time when I, I wasn't working. I wasn't seeing a lot of people mm. at all. And I really felt like, sure, there's a, you know, a Zoom trivia that I would attend every once in a while or, um, you know, a couple different like online happy hour kind of things. But those really weren't giving me what I needed on a more daily basis. Um, and so I kind of started trying to be very intentional about social media use. Um, a lot of it talking about grief that I was going through in various, various types of grief. Um, and just using it more, you know, I, I set up my Instagram initially with the name gentle poet with the idea of like, I want this to be a place to talk about, like to write mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, express things both visually and through words that I've are some sort of like artistic or creative outlet for me. Um, and I both got a lot out of that and am reminded every time I post anything what a shallow series of uh, interactions I end up having. And it's not the people. Um, I have some near and dear friends who I love who are super supportive and we connect over these different posts. And they love when you post things. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Sure. And it's so I don't want to, I, I, I appreciate that. And I don't, please don't stop liking my post. <laughs> but it's that whole, the whole dopamine addiction, like, ooh, I got another like. Yeah. Oh, I got an interaction. Oh, I'm actually craving deeper, stronger, more meaningful in person connections. And I'm looking to my phone, hoping that somehow that will happen in this very superficial blah. I posted a, a picture mm. or a poem or a drawing on the internet. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of, that's been my journey the last couple of years related to social media specifically. Um, and I, I, I look, I admire you and have admired you for staying off of it because Mm. I think, um, I mean, I think that you're probably avoiding a lot of the pitfalls of it and the false sense of connection. I think, um, I think it's easy to think that we're having meaningful interactions and we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think sp- specifically Facebook, I was listening to a podcast recently that was trying to pinpoint like when it was with uh, Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, who I love his stuff and I want to read and listen to more of his podcasts and audiobooks and stuff. But he was trying to pinpoint kind of where it was that this crumbling of society as we know it and the, and the debate and the tension and the bipartisan blah, blah, blah mess that's online, um, happened. That's good. A worthy research topic. And it really, um, he's written a couple books, including the coddling of the American mind, which 
I've got queued up and I, one of these days I'll be on here talking about it. But um, <laughs> he talks about how like with social media, it was, yes, the like button and heart and whatnot, retweeting all that was was part of the end of it just being a fun place to interact. But it was when you started threading comments, which I thought was interesting. And wow. I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that before. But where it's no longer just one comment under like just uh, in chronological order. Right. But you actually start to have people reacting and then people reacting to that, that you get, um, you know, <laughs> you just, you get, you get that sort of hate back and forth thing going on, the, the arguments, because you can thread a conversation, which in, in a constructive way, that's a, it's great. You can actually have topics and like they can smaller be contextual and they can, yeah. they, you can carry on a conversation. And as I think about it, that, I mean, that makes instinctive sense to me because, um, whereas the likes and the hearts and all that sort of replaced the, um, the sort of feel good emotions, maybe the, um, you know, the, the, uh, kind things that you say to a friend or the mm-hmm. like, you know, pat on the back, like that kind of thing, kind of replace those or tried to, um, threaded conversations became a pretty poor simulation of real conversation. Cause you could yeah. like branch off and have, and talk about a topic without it being, it, it, that was not possible in the long running, you know, single threaded conversations of the past because it was just chaos, right? Like you could never, you couldn't maintain a conversation because there were like a thousand voices all trying to speak at the same time, more or less. Exactly. And I think it kind of goes, it goes back to the, you, you just can't as much as I love the written word and I'm a big writer myself. Um, you can't have those interactions over text that you, mm-hmm. in the same way you can in person. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that in general and it kind of goes back to this, this main topic of, you know, they, we, it, it's like a delusion that sounds intense, but a delusion, like thinking that we're ever going to have like the same meaning or the same camaraderie or bonding or whatever it is that we do in person, like around a campfire. Right. Um, I, Great example. I mean, I just feel like that's what we've been doing for the history of humanity, right? Is being, we're in person, we're hearing intonation, we're looking each other in the eye. Seeing body language. Yeah. I mean, literally, even I was thinking about this, even smelling people, like there's a whole mm. thing happening on like a pheromonal level and not not just like pheromones between romantic partners or whatever, right? But like you s- can smell a person and, and we're not thinking about it, but like that is happening when we're in person with each other. And when we're doing all this stuff online, we're not, all of those things are not happening. It's just words and words are limited. Yeah, words are very limited, and and the medium in which we're putting them into is very limited. I mean, it's very two D, you know, uh, a screen. Like we've all experienced the Zoom body language now, which is to say, there's not really body language cues. Um, so it is. It's a it's a piss poor simulation, and I think that's borne out in in. I don't think anyone would argue that uh, yeah. that it's otherwise. I think. I mean, maybe there's some, you know. Uh, tech bros playing in the metaverse space that are like, <laughs> no, this is how we'll replace all of human connection and body language. Maybe, but I actually haven't heard that a lot. Mm. You know, it's more like, it's more like a offered as a different medium. And I think people even acknowledge like, uh, this is not a replacement for human connection. And yet it is clearly taken away from human connection. There's been study after study. We were just looking at some earlier that, uh, that shows how much loneliness has increased in the era of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly post COVID, like despite the zoom happy hours, despite the, like, uh, the use of social media to connect to others, we are not getting any more connected. Mm-hmm. We're farther from it. Yeah. And I think especially, uh, like, I guess you can't really call TikTok social media. I don't, I think it's more like entertainment, but it is where more social interactions are happening. And that's even one step more removed. Now you're not having those conversations. It's more of these sort of single surveying like, mm-hmm. and then you're really getting hit in the head with like how perfect someone else's life looks and everything like that. So we're getting farther and farther and there's not really electronic platforms out there that seem to be fitting the bill to your point, I don't think there is one that, yeah. that will fit the bill. Oh, if I may interject, yeah. one one attempt I, I had on three different social groups was to create discords that uh, servers or participate in discord servers that were intending to, oh, let's get off social media that's all ads and stuff and have these interactions. Mm-hmm. And 
I would also argue that none of those have really fit the bill. I will say for communities that already exist that have a lot of uh, geographic distance between them, it's a nice way. Like one of them is my, my Burning Man camp has one. And I will say that's been a great way to kind of see what people are up to. It's like a good plus. It's like, a, a, yes. it's like an addition to your strong community already. But in moments of loneliness, I go there and I don't get that that itch scratch that sounds like the that sounds like such a callous way to talk about loneliness but you know what i mean yeah. like i'm i'm like i'm seeking something your and social I, meters don't get filled in yeah. the way that they need to be yeah yeah so it's a wild challenge that we've never faced in human history i mean that's the weird the, the, the truly strange part about this is we are in uncharted territory like mm-hmm. nothing like this has ever existed yeah you could argue that you know when the phone first came out or when the telegraph first came out, but um, it's never been at this scale, Mm -hmm. like in the era of MCI and like, you know, one 800 collect and all that would ever say that it like, no one ever tried to replace human interactions with the phone. Right. So it does feel like a completely new territory for us. And it does not feel like we're pointed in a great direction. Mm -hmm. And yet I perceive Clearly, my perceptions are wrong based off something you said to me yesterday. But <laughs> I perceive that others are having a better time. That's a judgment. Are having an easier time, maybe that's slightly better, in maintaining those in-person and, and meaningful connections. But, um, you know, I, I have not. Like, I've just it's been a real struggle uh, for, for ways that I'm, like, still a little bit unclear on. Yeah. I So I like to think about... Um, just social interactions and social groups in general in my own life as kind of having like these, these sort of waves that I've experienced. Um, and I remember being really intentional in my young twenties when I was, I'd graduated from college cause in college is like built in community. Totally. You have your friend group, like, and I realized that may not be for everyone. And there's, you know, like the, I think we called them adult learners at the time, but like, you know, people who don't live on campus who maybe had a more disjointed experience. But if you lived on campus and you went to like a four-year college, you had community, almost guaranteed. Uh, then I lived in a house with roommates, and we we all got along really well. We you know threw parties and had movie nights and stuff like that all the time. Um, so it was just again like this really like built-in community. But as people started, and it was you know very typical at that age, people started to get married and started to have kids, and I found and, and move away, just try a new mm. you know like one friend was living in Chile for a while and I'm like cool but okay now who am I going to hang out with and so I had a moment this was in the early 2000s um so just thinking about that from a like technological point of view but I was like okay I need to meet new people I need to get out there I need to do something but like what do you do so I tried two two avenues one was I joined a kickball team which was like a big thing at the time. The underdog league in Seattle was sure. like big deal. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is fun. And I, it also made me realize a lot of things. I sort of felt like, like it's easy to, once you're kind of out of college, be like, oh, do I still try new things? And the answer is yes. And I believe in, you know, lifelong learning and there's always a new class or skill or something that's fun to try to like take on. Um, and then I also went on Craigslist that, that dates it a little bit, but and found like a platonic friend meetup group thing. Mm. And then I ironically, I don't know if that's a great use of that word, um, met and then because one other avenue I took was uh, finding a volunteer group. And so at that point I signed up with Seattle Works um, where they had a program where you signed up for like one Saturday a month with the same group of people at four different locations. And it would be a group of like 12 to 15. And you could sign up based on like your age group or kind of like if you were new to Seattle oh, nice. or whatever. Um, And those three avenues I found really interesting. The meetup group didn't really turn into anything, but was interesting as someone who was in that group ended up being on my volunteer team like the next week. She was like, oh, you're doing Seattle Works? I'm doing Seattle Works. Um, Seattle Works ends up being how I met a ton of people Mm -hmm. because I just kept rolling from one volunteer uh, group to the next and ended up meeting some really key, crucial people in my own social network and starting to meet people who we're good at int- making introductions and being connectors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was around that time that that, that was kind of a buzzword. And connectors. let me clarify, it, it sounds like they even 
programmed this as like a social connector as well. So it was a volunteer program, but the fact that they're sort of correlating age groups and things like that tells me it's also meant to like connect people. Yes. I think that that was an intention at the time, at least. Mm. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done anything with SailWorks in a while. So I don't know if they're still kind of set up that way, but it kind of, it, it's, it, I'm glad I had those experiences all in my kind of young to early 20, mid twenties, whatever. Uh, because I've been able to give that advice to people when mm-hmm. they're, especially there's a whole, we, we are in Seattle and there's this epic Seattle freeze myth and or reality that we live in where people, um, you know, they're very kind and polite and then are notorious for not following up and actually hanging out and making plans and following through with them. The legend says, we love the phrase, would love to hang out, let's hang out later, and then never happens. Right. Yeah. And I, I early on when I heard about the Seattle freeze was like, fuck that, I am going to be an anti-freeze person, which actually there was a group for a while, might still exist, called Seattle Anti-Freeze, which was like, uh, they had a bunch of, uh, you know, again, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s and a lot of like drinking and running, I remember being themes of what they would do. But um, I do think though, I mean, again, I can just wax poetic about the different social groups, you know, Burning Man friends and Mm -hmm. different um, classes that I, you know, I took a burlesque one-on-one class at one point and maintained friendships from that. Um, and it's fun to kind of dip your toe into different communities and then find those few friendships that where you really bond with someone and then take them with you. Um, Amanda is a great example of someone I met in burlesque who then now is part of the burner community that we're in. Um, I then felt like all of that just stopped when COVID started. Um, and for me personally, I had so many other things shift including where I lived and my work situation and stuff like that, where it was like such a reset on so many levels for me that that's been part of my, like my struggle. But I, I really, I really feel like if I'm trying to pinpoint it, a lot of it has to do with um, there was some pattern or routine or rhythm to the social interactions Mm -hmm. and everyone got really scared to hang out. And then those that it, it like, I think everyone's kind of, thinking everyone else is hanging out with people that maybe 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 none of us maybe are not. and I'm, right. it's an exaggeration but not by much mm. maybe we, there was a lot of talk of pods and you know yeah. this is my pod and stuff like that and i think i, I think that was true but it, i think there was also perception that like oh people you know ha- have developed this pod and they're hanging out all the time and, and the reality was no, like that, that wasn't, it's certainly not to the same level, you know, that they were in the past for the most part. Yeah. And all the venues that you described where you could meet people were all toast, yeah. you know, come, yeah. come 2020. Yeah. And then it's also that like, even if you were out doing a thing that was more social in those early, especially in those early months, whatever, it's like you're masked and you're social distance. And I really do believe a lot of those, um, it's harder to connect to people mm-hmm. in that, in those circumstances and online. So the rhythm gets disrupted. The heartbeat of your social life gets disrupted. Now we need, you know, the the social defibrillator. Um, I have heard, you know, and it's anecdotal, but backed by this evidence that shows loneliness has spiked significantly, um, including in the last few months when most of the world has has largely reopened. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some lingering trauma. Um, around that and and just recovery that still has to happen. But Mm -hmm. what is the, you know, what, what is that shock to the system that needs to happen? Are these coming back? Are we looking at a sort of different world? Like what have you seen? That's such a great question. And I feel like I have a few ways I want to answer that. I'm going to start though with one other observation that I think relates. Um, and I heard this, I think in a, a podcast about friendship reception recession, from plain English, but they, they were talking about a couple of the reasons that there's this friendship recession that's happening. And specifically looking at, we, in addition to all the other factors, technology makes it really easy to like not have to leave your house. So it's easy to get delivery, to order things on Amazon instead of going to the store, things like that, or have yeah food delivered instead of meeting up with friends for dinner and drinks. Um, and I think... That leads to one of the anecdotes, which is, sorry, antidotes, <laughs> not anecdotes, antidotes, which is to try to be intentional about making plans going out, even if it's just, uh, you know, with with a friend or, or by yourself to still go to physical spaces to like 
sit down at a bar and have a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that a, f- a fair degree with my work right now because I tra- often am traveling alone and um, have gotten very comfortable with dining alone. Um, but I will opt to sit like in the bar, not so necessarily so I can drink, but so I can sit next to people who may want to mm-hmm. have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know there were several articles in the last few years that have come out about weak ties and the importance of those interactions with a barista, a bartender, you know, your taxi driver. These are not your friend circle, but they're the interactions that you have on your daily basis in yeah. your in your community or in the places you're going. Yeah. And I would say that that's just a start. Those aren't necessarily going to be deeper connections, mm-hmm. although I have had some profound conversations with specifically Uber Lyft drivers. <laughs> profound. You know, you've chosen to... Uh, you know, some maybe somewhat forced by your work, go sit at the bar, put yourself into places where conversations happen. Um, first of all, has that paid off? Do you often talk to people? Second of all, have have those developed into into anything at least connected? Yeah, I mean that's a great question, and I mean I, the short answer is no because I'm often moving so quickly to the next place mm. that I might have an interesting conversation, but it's rarely going to be like, oh, let me get your contact info and stay friends. Um, every once in a while, it may, but. I would say that that's more rare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good, I'm looking at it as a good practice to just be like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't sit in my hotel room and eat takeout. I should go and have this like in-person experience. Um, and I, it's also a little bit of that, like there's like a romanticism to it of I'm dining and I'm watching people and I'm in a strange city. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there, you know, <laughs> drawing in my sketchbook and pretty sure think, the stars, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in right, some form. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I have found also with just with my travel schedule, then when I am in town, it's really important for me to actually make plans with friends. And yeah. part of me wants to recover and rest, but I'm like, no, I need to reach out to people and try to get a walk in or a dinner in or something like that. Mm. Or a podcast recording session, you know. <laughs> Do you think, um, has anything changed in us as a society mm-hmm. where we are not going to come back to the world that you described where, you know, there are these sort of like social events, these volunteer opportunities, you know, things like that. Has something fundamentally changed or are we just, are we just healing, you know? Do, do, does the world come back to that Um or has something fundamentally changed? I think we come back to it, but I'm an optimist. Um, and I th- say that because it, I mean, it helps that my work specifically is trying to create these like phone free experiences. And like, there's that kind of like loose, I, like, I, I feel like I'm in a, I have a lot of conversations with people about getting off of our phones and tech and being in person, mm-hmm. being present with, with people. Um, so those conversations that I have, with just the general public or with staff I'm working with or whatever are really inspiring to me. Um, the fact that they come up so often in so many different cities within different, you know, like age demographics and stuff makes me hopeful. Um, I think that there are some good larger conversations happening. Um, you know, like the movie social dilemma. Mm. Um, there's, uh, She's a dopamine nation, I think, is the book. Dr. Anna Lemke. I may be misquoting that, but you know, books about like the addiction that we have to technology that are making people be more intentional. And I think that we're getting to a point with the sort of I mean, we're not in a pandemic anymore, right? Officially, aren't we in an epidemic or something? Didn't we go back? It's, it's one of those fuzzy lines yeah. that, you know, I mean, certain leaders have said that, but I think, I think the, my instinct tells me this is starting to feel more yeah. epidemic-y, endemic in the population rather than a pandemic. But that's, I say that from my seat today, right. I know that things are different. China and has been on the news recently because, you know, there are recent drop in the res- restrictions and therefore big spikes in cases like, yeah, but let's use it as a general yeah. statement. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't know how to, I still don't know the language we're supposed to use around, like we're not post pandemic then necessarily, but in this post, in this, this is now the norm and people are being more bold in their social interactions and it's easier to test all of anyway, whatever it is that this era is that we're in where people are like, fuck it, I'm going out anyway, um, which seems to be happening all over the world. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like it is, there is like a healing and a retraining that has to happen. I've heard so many people say, and I've been one of them, like how we all feel a little bit awkward in social situations. It's like, we've had to relearn basic and, and, and there's like anxiety and all this stuff, partly related to COVID, partly related to just like, wait, I don't know, like, am I doing this right? Yeah, yeah. I've read a ton about um, habit building as a result of this. And like when you fall out of a habit, and again, this this totally feels instinctive when you define social interaction as a habit. Mm. And once you do, it's like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. I totally fell out of practice yeah. during COVID. And I celebrated isolation and we all started working from home. And so like by the time that that had passed, you know, I forget what the sort of threshold is, but it's on the order of months to a year. Like, yeah. you know, once you've stopped doing a habit for that period of time, it really does mean you have to relearn it and repractice it. Like everyone has been awkward. And I think, I think we haven't had enough time of habit building in this weird mm-hmm. post pandemic, whatever we'll call it era to make that a comfortable habit again, to feel like experts in social interaction again. And I'm also going to say, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but there's such a stigma around admitting loneliness, Mm. I think. And maybe it's the extrovert Leo in me or the, you know, I care about how people perceive me, part of me that I wish I could let go of, but it's too hard. Um, But like admitting that I, this very, you know, social extroverted person who, you know, I think I seem on the outside like, oh, Noel's probably, Noel's probably super social, hanging out with people mm. all the time, and and yet I've I've had moments, especially in winter, traveling by myself, like all this stuff, where I feel really profoundly lonely, mm. and like, I think that part of it, and I've been thinking about this, and like through other creative outlets, wanting to kind of address this issue a little bit more. Probably expect a poem coming to your Instagram shortly, but uh, I I've been wanting to like destigmatize it a little bit um obviously and i i was thinking about this while i was driving earlier today like you know if someone's struggling with real depression we are not like we're not doctors and please seek help if you know if, if suicidal thoughts and things like that are on your mind please um reach out to like a, a suicide prevention hotline i mean i and i think you know i think loneliness can turn into severe depression and yeah. those things can be correlated i don't feel for me that that's where i'm at um, I do know, you know, I've got to take my vitamin D and make sure that I get workouts in in the winter or things just feel a little bit sad. But um, I think the social component of it is by by putting it out there. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I've been noodling on this. Like, like, is it that we need to just put it out there and go like, hey, guys, I actually would love to be invited to some more things. If you're doing something social, please invite me. Because yeah. I think we all sort of assume Everyone's just busy and nobody wants to. They got to, their life. And yeah. They, you know, they've got, you know, they've got whatever's going on already taken care of. Yeah. And I think, I you know, and I, th- I often will have my, oh, well, like they just started a family. They don't want to do anything or they just got married or whatever. Like these different like life shifts that people experience. And then I find out that like, you know, especially moms that I know in my life, are like incredibly lonely because they're just hanging out with these little kids who can't necessarily give them the social. Interact back. Yeah. yeah, And I, I just, I don't know. I I think you're, I mean, there's no question in my mind that, that stating that you're lonely is, is stigmatized and like you, you know, you, you, you never see it. And in fact, it's the opposite of, of what we're sort of, you know, programmed to things happening on social media. Like, Oh, life's great. And like, everyone's happy. Look, I hung out with a friend. Look, I yeah, hung out with a friend. Exactly. Oh, maybe those are the only times I'm hanging out with friends because of just scheduling or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I mean, you, you just brought it up. Like I, I, I know for a fact that if I posted that, on the social media that I don't have, but whatever. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if, if I did, um, I do know people would react. I yeah. know my friends. I know my friends would immediately call me and and invite me out to things. And yet, you know, here we are. Uh, you know, we went into lockdown in early 2020. And have I done that? You know, have I done that post-pandemic? Have I done? No. And, it's, and there's ego involved for me, at least. Um, I can only speak for myself. But, like, where I don't want – it's like I, I, I worry that that would create, like – pity invites exactly and i don't want pity invites i want people who actually want to (laughs) hang out to hang out like don't don't invite me out if you don't want to hang out with me but at the same time don't assume that i'm not interested because we haven't hung out because we've all been 
quarantining and isolating right. and stuff for the last few years. Right, right. It's such a fine line there. I mean, there's. I mean, I'm not gonna let go. Of, I do have ego around this. I don't want people to think that I'm lonely and sad all the time because I'm not. But loneliness is is real. And I think that's unfortunately that is the correlation when somebody says I'm lonely. I think there is just a natural like. Oh, that means she's, you know sad and desperate or something. I, I do unfortunately think that that yeah. is the connection to that word when it's posted in that type of forum anyway. Right, exactly. And I think it's, you know, it's it's different being able to have conversations when you're, I was thinking about this too, like I'm such a fan when you when I am having social interactions. So like I, even at the pre, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, um, I've, I've always thought about like, there's, you know, different people who have different levels of extroversion and introversion and how they handle themselves, like at parties versus small groups. And I've often gone to like bigger parties and just left feeling, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like just not fulfilled mm. because it was a very superficial party and everyone just said, Hey, how's it going? What you been mm. up to? And like the conversation never went deep. Um, and I'm thankful to have friends who are, who I often see at these parties. I put like you and Esther in that category and Scott and Nicole and whatnot, but where like I can go deep. And if I've had a bad day, I can answer like, you know what? I had a bad day and here, I'm on the verge of tears because traffic sucked and I'm PMSing or whatever combination of reality, maybe, maybe part of my existence. Um, and I find when I can just like really be like, ah, here's where I'm at. It, it's not my intention is not to like dump all of that and bring someone down. It's more to like throw it out there and then be like, cool. Okay. That's off my chest. Yeah. Okay. Let's have fun now. And someone that receives it uh, openly and, and with, and consent with, and, with love. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Then you feel, yeah, you feel like not only is it off, but I've made a connection. I feel seen and now I can move on. I'm not faking you know, my way through this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just putting on the smile. No, absolutely. And I, again, I think our, uh, circle specifically has been just amazing at those type of, of connections and, yeah. and, and not, not, not being content with just the shallow. Cause it really does, it does make a person feel very connected with and seen yeah. in, a, in a, in a really magical way. And I'm so grateful for that. Now, did I reach out to those people? No, <laughs> when I, you know, that's, that's the thing is, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 these these habits to rebuild are, are very present in my in my space right now. Yeah, I feel like like so some of the solutions or some of the antidotes to the loneliness is one to create a practice of some sort of reaching out. And I've been I've been trying to do that, especially on the road. When I have these little moments where I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling a little lonely right now. I will at the very least send a couple text messages to a few friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to make it personal and about them and not like I'm systematically <laughs> sending text messages but you know friends I haven't heard from him a bit or whatever it's a very small group of people um I mean the thread with you and Scott is often one of those where I'm like mm-hmm. cool here's an interaction um and then when I'm when I know that I'm in town and have time trying to think through making plans and they don't have to be complicated it can literally be like I went for a walk with a friend this morning she had to walk her dog anyway we met up we went for a walk we, we you know, caught up and it was great. And like that felt really good to have, to have that. And it helps that again, it's a close friend who I can be really real with. Um, so I think being, being intentional and finding like creating a practice out of it, re rehabit training, like you're talking about, I think that is part of it. Oh, I had another thought. It's gone. You feel like you're, um, early on that retraining journey at this point, like, uh, you know, or do you feel, cause you've also expressed in this, you know, period of time, you're also experiencing the loneliness. So like, yeah, I think for me, where right. are you still feeling gapped, I guess. Is yeah. I think a lot of it is just, uh, I'm getting still used to this, uh, travel schedule of my life, which mm-hmm. is like, I'm mm-hmm. home for a while and then I'm gone for a while. And loneliness at home feels different than loneliness on the road. And I'm actually, I've been really good. I think at figuring out how to feel, like I'm in this new city and I can explore and I can do all this stuff. And then it's like, I come home to Seattle does not help that it is the dreariest month here. <laughs> no, and if you, if you know any Seattleites, they will universally say that January, February is the it's worst. The worst. Cannot wait to be in summer in Australia yeah. in a month. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's then like, it's like, Oh, and then, and then it's like, okay, when I'm on the road, typically I'm like moving between cities and places quickly 
And so I'm not like spending a lot of time in one place and I'm physically going to a show, right? Where in Seattle, when I'm working from home remotely, mm-hmm. I am sitting in front of my computer. There ain't nobody like, around you. Yeah. There's none of the weak ties, you know, yeah, and I've, surrounding and I've, you. I've had to make a point. I have made a point of when I when the when it makes sense of walking to my neighborhood coffee shop. Um, one time not too long ago, I went there and like drew for a bit and was like, okay, middle of the work day, but I'm gonna take a, an actual lunch time and go sit and do this. And then um just going out for walks, but again, it's winter. Like I'm not going out for walks and seeing a bunch of neighbors and saying hello. Yeah. yeah. Um so it's not necessarily social. That's more anecdotes to the weather. <laughs> Well, and it's, it's, it's interesting to think then, um, and maybe there's not a great answer to this. Maybe these have always been the cycles, but, um, a Northern California latitude and North and all the way across the world, like we're in a lot of ways, like we're just in our homes more during the winter and everything. But before social media, that was maybe just a more understood cycle. And I don't know, like maybe it was, you know, maybe now we're seeing too much on, you know, our, our various social media platforms that say, Oh, life is still happening out there and life is still all, you know, whereas realistically, a lot of us are kind of cooped up for the winter and we're not out doing activities. We're not doing, we're not going to volleyball games and, you know, the underdog leagues and stuff like that, but we don't, maybe we haven't acknowledged that it's still true despite, you know, every, everything that we're clicking around on. Yeah. I mean, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about FOMO, um, fear of missing out, which you know, I, I, social media creates that that mm-hmm. sense all the time of like, oh, so people are doing things without me and they're going to shows and they're traveling and I should be doing that too. Um, and then there's that the the antidote to that, which is JOMO, which is the joy of missing out, which is realizing that you're specifically choosing the thing you're doing, which sometimes should be, I hate using the word should, it, it can be, it's an option for it to be resting and it's okay to curl up by the fire and read a book. And it's okay to do those more introverted things, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in winter, um, allowing that rest and follow period. Um, to be, uh, beginning of 2020, I read Do Nothing by Celeste Headley, I believe is her name. And she, it's a fantastic book about doing nothing and kind of that, like, we don't need to always be productive. And, I'm currently in the middle of listening to 4,000 Weeks from Oliver Berkman, and he all, he specifically talks about FOMO and JOMO and and just like it, it's kind of it's kind of I like it because he's a he's a former productivity junkie, I guess, um, who is who has now written this book that's like so 4,000 Weeks is about how many weeks we are alive on average, mm. and it's really thinking about nice. time and letting go of our need to like hack our lives and do all the things. Um, and, and it, it, it's a lot of the life lessons that keep being a theme, at least in my life when I, I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm in my, I'm in my forties and midlife crisis, you kind of thought circle. And it's just that like, be present, but even trying to be present can take you out of the moment. And <laughs> yes. so it's like, how do you yes. or if, Or if you're like an earlier version of me where you chide yourself for not being present enough. Exactly. You know, like, oh, yeah, good job. <laughs> and it really, his his whole like thesis is like everything is just, you got to be, you got to become comfortable with your own mortality. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I'm loving it actually, but it's definitely like a, a sobering book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that's, you know, one of the things, um, that's changed in me in the last few months. I've, you know, came off this sort of cancer treatment and everything. And that, that has had this profound effect of, of really the gift of me thinking, be, be able to see my mortality now mm-hmm. in stark contrast, um, at a time in my life where I'm still young and healthy and like, can actually still sort of like process that. Now my first instinct for 41 years of my life has been, cool. Like, what am I going to go do with that? What I've learned a lesson. Now I need to go do something. And even though it's quite uncomfortable, um, I'm really trying to take the time now to just reflect and Mm -hmm. and let myself sort of feel through that and really kind of like try as much as I can to be, um, in the here and now, because there's plenty of evidence in my life that says that's the times when those are the times when the, the, the new, opportunities, the change, the big changes that have been so impactful to me in my life have appeared. It's not when I've 
worth chased it. them out and made the list of all the things. It's it's not at all. It's always been the sort of serendipities. Yeah. Um, even though it's really hard to sit in, you know. The fallow period. Yeah, absolutely. Waiting, waiting for those seeds to turn into things, and then they just do, and it's always they really do. It's always like a you're like, wait, where did this come? When you think back, and and actually. Oliver Berkman talks about this in 4,000 weeks, but when you think back to like all the significant moments in your life and kind of how, like how you met people that changed your life or how you, whatever, most of those moments are in them in that moment, they've seemed so trivial or like insignificant. And then you realize like, Oh no, that was actually this branch of like life decisions I made that like opened up all these doors and new adventures totally. or whatever. And in the in the moment, it's sometimes it's hard to see that because it's it's so like oh I just almost never was it something you pre-programmed or set the pieces up in just the right way for that thing to no. appear. Um, Someone mentioned a thing, and I said, "Oh, that sounds cool." <laughs> exactly. Or <laughs> yeah. And I think when you leave yourself open to those things, they do come mm-hmm. because that's the nature of humanity. Like things are happening all the time, and I think now, especially, we just let ourselves go charging past some of those things when we let ourselves be aware they they appear left and right yeah and it's beautiful and that seems to happen all the time and i think the more and more that i've tried to just pay attention to that the more i've come to appreciate that and appreciate the things that spawn them and appreciate what they've done for my life and everything even though it's a real challenge it is not how we're not how we're programmed it is not what our culture tells us to be like we should we should be on a path and we should have goals and we should be moving at a mile a minute and um I hate goal setting. There's beautiful, beautiful things out there yeah. when you don't. It's yeah. Yeah. Because goal setting again, it's like attachment to an outcome. And I I'm finding that I'm more at peace with life when I'm detached from outcome. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. It's not what we're told to do. We're we're very prone to having expectations which immediately get shattered, you yeah. know, if yeah. not shattered, at least, you know, it never quite meets the bar of our expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we're really lucky. Well, just to, to wrap it all around, these are just some statistics from recent studies like lo- on loneliness, 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. 47% report that relationships with others are not meaningful. 59% say they have a best friend and 12% say they feel like they have no close friends at all. And like, that's, that's stark enough as it Mm. is. And then you get past COVID and COVID affected us dramatically. Loneliness increased by 181%. There are disparities in the said loneliness. Women seem to have been affected more during this time. 66, 60.6 to 55% of men. Uh, Millennials were the loneliest generation. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I guess it, the reason to cite that I think here is to go back to what you said earlier is that you listeners, you, Noel, me, Ryan are not al- are not alone in being alone. <laughs> it seems to be a very chronic and painful condition that a lot of us are suffering through right now. And with those numbers, it means as you're scrolling social media, no, those people are not perfectly socially connected and you know feeling like everything is peachy like that's just not the truth of it Mm -hmm. and what a great opportunity to raise your hand and say i'm feeling lonely please reach out and invite me to things as you said yeah i also i and i don't want to jump too much into this for podcast sake but like i i keep thinking also about like ways to experience more community in general all the time and i have a few ideas including um some stuff here at the house that I'm in, um, wanting to either have like more roommates, housemates, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, or having like some tiny homes with Airbnb ish, something or another. But one of the concepts and this, I totally stole from someone else. Um, and I can't remember exactly who or, or what, but nothing is new under the sun. No, but it was this concept of, and this, this (laughs) is a lot for me while traveling, is I keep I heard someone say the the phrase drop in community and it's just creating spaces and this is something I want to do this is like longer bigger vision stuff for me but I and I want to put this on the podcast though in case anyone hears this and is like what is she talking about I want to do that because I feel like this is one of those like I need people all over like in other major cities to want to do this too 
but to have a place where people who are who do like travel a lot for work or I mean in in my world I'm I'm thinking of production people who are on tour but it could be it could be other other industries as well but who travel a lot move around a lot and want an experience that's different than staying in a hotel downtown and it's just something I keep thinking about like how cool it would be to be able to stay in a place where like there is like you have your own space but you also are able to like have community mm. um sit around a fire or sit in a hot tub or whatever it is and like and like the the vibe is if people want it they can interact and have more interactions with people so it's really designed uh, you're saying this this kind of thing it's it's um it's designed with the expectation that there's like the social opportunity sort of within the space. Cause you can, you know, Airbnb opened up this crazy thing where you can stay in people's living rooms and everything. And now I know right. it's turned into a horrible, you know, <laughs> capitalist enterprise and whatever, but yeah, like, like everything in our world, but you know, there's still those opportunities where you're actually in someone's living room, but there is not that like, expectation that like oh we're also going to be social and we're also you know we're going to have these spaces together it's often just a bedroom and it's a fine line because i know there's a lot of people who don't want to have those social experiences and they're like oh my god i finally get a moment alone um and i would want that to also be respected but if there is just there's just something about people functioning i think in the same space and sharing things that was something that came up i think in the friendship recession podcast talking about the food delivery and all that is like we used to go borrow sugar from a neighbor right <laughs> yeah yeah and those times i remember growing up like that people bringing casseroles and cookies over when you were sick or something was a total normal thing and you, you knew your neighbors there were other aspects of you know urban or suburban sprawl that i i'm hugely against sure. but but I did feel like I grew up knowing my neighbors and yeah. we were there for each other and there was a sense of community. Yeah. Um, you and I met in, you know, a, a multifamily building in a condo. Um, and we had a very unique experience there, I think, where we knew a lot of our neighbors. Um, as people started to move out, I think it was harder to meet mm -hmm. new neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I found the sense of community that I had at the beginning of that experience was was gone after 12 years. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's something I'm noodling a lot on, so I wanted to say it on the podcast just for the sake of, like, if someone hears it and is like, Noelle, what are you talking about? It's great. Let's it, talk more. It reminds me a little bit of the best parts of, like, hostel life. Like, I used to, you know, in my 20s, I loved traveling through hostels and everything because there was. There was that, like, it's not just a place to stay, but it is a place for social things and I would always go out with people. Now... I would probably have to be dragged kicking and screaming to go into hostile life now. It's a 41 year old. And that's part of it. Maybe it's almost like a want for like adult, adult hostel. hostels. <laughs> We're like, I also have to like get on my computer and work for a little bit, yeah. but Oh look, there's a little table where a few of us can work together and co-work. I really love this. And I love this in a way that, um, some, tech bros have tried this as like, you know, the, yeah, the, 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 like, uh, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go all do our startups together and go off to a tropical locale, but mm. it's the wrong entry point. You know, it's the wrong, um, step one is we are all hustling for our startup and we're all going to do it together. Like that kind of thing. It's the wrong way to start that conversation. Like yeah. starting it from this position of I'm traveling, I'm moving around and I just want to have you know, these, these interactions with people, uh, weak links developing into something stronger. Like yeah. that's, um, that's, that's a, a much more sincere place to start, I think. And it's also me just in, when I'm in Seattle, I want to be able to host people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's that aspect of it. But. And it's a much nicer use of real estate, I think, than, than corporate buyouts of houses and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's a, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's an early vision, but who knows, maybe in a few years I'll have some Small empire. <laughs> There's a, a number of books. The one that comes to me top of my mind is called Happy City by Charles Montgomery. And mm. it's, it talks about just um, urban design and the sort of, um, yes, suburban design sort of started this trend of, of more spread out sort of uh, residences. And we're all living a lot more isolated sort of within our homes. But it is absolutely not exclusive to suburbia you know yeah. and like seattle's famous for its single family zoning there's a tremendous density like there's a lot of people in certain neighborhoods but they lack shared services the coffee shop the 
parks and playgrounds that mm-hmm. people that become kind of a nexus. Like there's just too many people too spread out from these yeah. locations. And it just talks about this. Um, when you create density and you create density that has the support services in it, you create a much happier community and happy, mm-hmm. happy population. And I would love to see more of that. It's a much longer tail. Um, I'm seeing some positive impacts in a lot of cities right now. A lot of cities have recently passed ordinances that say you no longer have to have minimum parking allowances for buildings. Um, That's huge. Which, yeah, it's it's hard to really imagine how huge that is until you go to Google Maps satellite view and you look at the amount of a cityscape that is taken up by parking lots. And I never, I never knew this until very recently. Um, a lot of that development is because of the minimum parking requirements for, for some of these buildings. Right. And it's, it's, um, I, so, you know, putting uh, several hats ago when I worked for a local land developer, real estate developer Mm -hmm. here in Seattle. Um, I remember there the, the the sort of NIMBY aspect to it always is like, well, they better include parking because I don't want right. more cars. Right. But parking is so hard. Uh, but if you if you have to take that bigger perspective and be a little bit more optimistic about humanity, and I was a great example of a person, not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> where like I was like, no, 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 you don't need parking for me because I would love to not have to drive. I would love to be able to walk everywhere to everything that I need. Yeah, which I which I was able to do, and I lived basically car free and took public transit for a huge swath of yeah, the lot yeah. that you know 10 years or something like that uh but you have to then think you have to have reliable transportation public transportation you have to have the right mix of places to do all the things mm-hmm. including a place to live a place to work um you know now you can remote so maybe you don't need that office space but co-working spaces and stuff like that probably still provide some value on the topic of not being isolated right, all the time. Right. And then, yeah, your coffee shop and your, and your grocery store, like, um, like right now, the neighborhood I'm currently in, I, there's not like a great grocery store nearby. Pretty much have to get in a car mm-hmm, to go, mm-hmm. you know, could you do it on public transit? Sure. But it's not super convenient. Um, and so it's, I miss being able to, like I used to be able to walk. Yes, it was an expensive grocery store, but I could walk three blocks and pick up what I wanted to cook that night right. and have those little weak tie moments with, the, you know, the, I would I would almost inevitably run into some neighbor. And like that was, oh, it was such a like a juicy time in my life where I would just like have these little moments of connection. It felt really good. Yeah. And it had so much to do with not being in a car. Yeah. Um, I'm very... I have a lot of thought. I mean, this this could definitely be future future episodes as well yeah. as get get some uh, some like you know urban planners in here to. I know. I think I, I think that's a great a great topic. I mean, I think um, you know if 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 people are interested again, there's there's that that book Happy City is a great pr- awesome. primer on this kind of stuff. And Charles Montgomery is just you know a really engaging writer. Um, I think I think there's a certain amount of like activism too because a, a city a city takes a bold choice when it says we are going to deprioritize cars mm-hmm. in favor of, you know, a walkable livable city. But I think if, if you're interested in this topic and maybe we should cover it, like check out the development of Paris, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, um, um, Amsterdam's a good mm-hmm. example. Like we, we think of, uh, maybe even Amsterdam more so as this, like, Oh, this mecca of cycling and mass transit, and like every picture you see of Amsterdam is these amazing bike lanes. And it was not always that case. If you if you go back to the eighties in Amsterdam, it was gridlock, and the city was mm. screwed with with traffic. And at some point, they just made the decision: nope, you know, we are we are going to deprioritize traffic. And yeah, it took. 30 years, but now it's like a much happier, much more livable city. And known for that. And, and absolutely known for that. And it's yeah. a place people love to live. And it's a, when you visit there, it's like, ah, oh, this feels so much more natural. Hmm. So, I mean, it's good to research topics for any activists out there. <laughs> um, maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah. But it's all part about being happy in our community. And I think that's the, the fertile ground that we've covered today. I know I personally am going to put somewhere because again no social media but i would put somewhere probably on text and just say you know what hey y'all i'm lonely i miss you i invite you invite me to things and i'll invite you to things and yeah well and i'm i'm gonna start inviting you and ask for more things just because lovely um yeah there's yeah there's there's so much there's some there's just so much people i think people want to connect i think we're yearning for it 
And, you know, I'm always happy to, if people are hearing this and they're like, oh, I'm still COVID shy. Like, I'm happy to go for walks outside. I'm I will to, stand six feet from you. Yeah, absolutely. I will I'm, wear a mask. I'll take a, yeah, I'll take a test before I see you. Like, whatever people's restrictions are, if you're feeling lonely, but, but, but you're afraid to reach out. I mean, please, if you're listening to this and you want to hang out, please get a hold of us. <laughs> yes, plus one. Yes. And awesome. if you're feeling awkward about those social events, so are we. Yeah, and, everyone. Uh, and we will be awkward with you. We're all making we it up as we go it. along, including all of our social interactions. We always have been. We just got really good at it there for a minute before a pandemic. Even all the experts are making it up. Everybody's making everything up <laughs> all the time. All right. With that, I think we close this one out. Perfect. Um, uh, always good to see you and uh, enjoy these wonderful travels that you have come in. Thank and you. See I, you on the flip side. Yeah. I hope you and Scott have some conversations while I'm gone. Bye-bye.